Welcome back, Startup House. Today we have another episode, and I hope everyone is doing well in their lockdown or wherever they are in the world, and you're finding new opportunities every day. I know people are going through some tough times, so I wanted to bring you an episode where we discuss the future of work and what the startup work culture was like, and how it's sort of transforming over time. So today's guest is none other than Melody Chen who is an extremely experienced people and culture manager and also a recruiter. She used to represent McKinsey as the manager of recruitment for Southeast Asia and also an associate recruiter for Lucas Films. Now she runs Pop Partners, which is an organization that aims to help startups, SMEs and scale-ups overcome challenges related to people, organization and performance, which to me is a very important topic and something that I wanted to cover because personally it hit a spot where a lot of my startups or the places I've worked at did have culture issues and that was a big issue that sort of held us back in terms of performance and all those sort of things. End of the day, organizations are groups of people and therefore people issues will become the crux of your success. So I'm really looking forward to diving into this episode today. You're listening to Draper Startup Pass podcast, the one-stop shop for exploration, connecting and inspiration. We show you different pathways in life so you can decide what's right for you. We interview entrepreneurs and professionals all across the world. My name is AJ, a serial explorer and your tour guide. Welcome back, everyone. Um, Today, as I mentioned, we have Melody. And as a quick background story, uh, she's someone that I had a chat to at a Draper Startup House event. And when I was kind of venting my frustration about how a lot of the startups I've worked at or led had had culture issues and people issues being the crux of why they didn't work out. Um, She revealed to me that she was working on an organization that helps startups do that. And so I had no choice but to have her on as a guest. Um, So do you want to say hi real quick? Hi. Hi, AJ. Hi, everyone. Very happy to be here. (laughs) Awesome. So I want to know, uh, what have you been keeping busy with over this, um, this lockdown period? Um, currently, I'm actually still working. I'm still helping uh, clients. Um, I'm working on a SME uh, project, uh, helping them with um, HR topics. Um, so something different. Uh, so still busy at the moment. Have you found that a lot of people are asking more about remote working and different types of working arrangements? Uh, yes, yes and no. <laughs> uh, I feel for sure there's more uh, discussions around remote work at the moment. But at the same time, I there's also a lot of resources available online these days, right? If you Google, if you, I don't, I think you even receive a lot of, you know, newsletters about remote work. So because of that, I think people get a lot of information about remote work. But yes, there are here and there, there are discussions um, that, that will come up. Um, yeah, fair enough. So what about like keeping busy besides work? Uh, I'm assuming that you're not 24-7 work while locked down in Singapore. Is there, What else have you been doing to, to keep busy? Um, for myself, yes, you're right. Not only about work. Um, I actually have a lot of time for myself these days. Um, yeah. <laughs> I still try to continue, you know, my workout routines, my, um, you know, socializing with friends over Zoom and I spend a lot of time with family, you know, chit-chatting over Zoom these days. 
which is really nice. So you're using Zoom for work and personal life. Does it, do you get the yes. Zoom fatigue? Yes, sometimes, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I actually had someone that said, um, I don't want to use Zoom. Let's do a normal phone call because I'm tired of Zoom. And I was like, oh, that's it, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that helps. So sometimes I just switch uh, the channel like from Zoom to, to WhatsApp uh, or Google Hangout just to, to feel slight difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To avoid a Zoom fatigue. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So in this podcast, what I wanted to dive into is not just the, the startup work culture and get your opinion on what's happening currently and, and some of the trends and shifts. But I also want to dive a little bit into your experience because this is the first time I'm having someone uh, with a people in culture background or a recruiter background. Um, but I noticed that you didn't start your career there. You studied marketing and then moved into HR, talent management. Um, how, why did you pick marketing in the first place? And then why did you decide to change? Um, why did I pick marketing? Um, it was because at that time in my school, um, my the, may, the the school that I went to focus on finance, accounting, and marketing. Like a lot of my classmates, they would go onto those tracks. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, accounting and finance, I knew back then are not my thing. So, kind of by default, I, I pick marketing major. Um, that's how I started marketing. Um, and how I changed uh, from marketing to recruiting, um, I would say it's in a way it was by chance because my first job was a combination of marketing and recruiting in a uh, hunting or a consulting company at that time. So I was doing both roles and uh, eventually the business required me to do recruiting full time as I was pretty good at it. And there, was, um, there were less marketing activities as well. So it was by chance that I moved um, to recruiting full time um, and also because my interest, I, I like the nature of recruiting and, and helping people. Um, and later on, I found out that it's actually really helpful for recruiters to have some understanding about marketing. Because if you think about recruiting, branding and, and marketing for the company is a huge part of it, right? Um, mm-hmm. So another important element is that um, in marketing, um, we always focus on the audience, right? Uh, which has taught me a lot in how to tailor my, my story when I speak with the candidates. So that was really helpful with my recruiting job. And I know these days some industry leaders in the HR space or in recruiting also suggest that recruiting should actually be part of marketing department instead of within HR. Mm. Um, I'm not, not sure how that, you know, that will work out in practice, but I'm sure that the marketing and recruiting should uh, work very closely together. Well, surely if you think about, I guess, the recruitment funnel, kind of like a product, there should be some function of marketing within recruitment, you know, showing off why it's a great place to work. And, and especially since like, um, there was this quote by Reed Hoffman about, you know, sometimes when you're growing a company, it's about how many warm bodies you can get through the door at, at one point, like it, with Uber, I think, um, essentially they just sent offer letters to any engineer that was recommended by people that they hired. They didn't even interview them or anything. They just send an offer letter because they just had to grow that fast. Um, so I, I guess there needs to be some sort of marketing department to show off why 
it's amazing working for that company. Like who, who does that work yeah. in, in the recruitment um, function right now? Um, the market, I think the recruiters play a big role, right? It, mm. it depends on the, the size of the company. Uh, for example, in McKinsey is, is a big company and there is a department called recruiting communications mm -hmm. that actually help um, the recruiters to um, market, um, to tailor their marketing materials and messages. What, what, kind, what kind of things do you guys work on to make a job more attractive to people besides just salary? Um, there are so many things that uh, the companies can do, right? Besides the salary. salary. Um, one is that um, is how you, again, how you go, it, it goes back to what I uh, mentioned, right? How you tailor um, the storytelling to the target audience, right? So from company point of view, uh, for example, for startups, the founder, the vision, the values, the mission are super important um, as part of branding for the company, right? And that's the things that you can really showcase uh, the uniqueness about the company. That's one. Um, and the second thing would be the culture. I think that's really talked about, especially among the millennials, the super important part of attracting talent, right? So um, those are the key things that uh, you can divert uh, the, the attention away from the salary, which are actually more important these days mm -hmm. for the younger generation. Right. And last thing is, I would say is the role or the, 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 the role specific, um, um, role specific uh, characteristics about the role. For example, I remember um, I was hiring for a data science role and what excited the candidate at that time was really the amount of uh, data that's available and is very disorganized data that got the candidate really excited. Right. So is again, it, it, it has to be tailored to the, the target market um, in addition to the, the, the culture and the company values. So if, if, let's say, I think that makes sense, right? It's, it's vision mm -hmm. and it's um, the culture of the company. But let's say you're a 10 person company and you're trying to hire against Amazon, which happens a lot. Like I've had to fight over you know 400k salaries at amazon versus a quarter of that that we could offer but we had fun and like you know obviously amazon has fun too so how, how do you how do you think startups can compete in that in that talent war yeah it's it's hard right i mean amazon has such a big name right mm. um yeah, one thing is on branding, as I mentioned, the just spend time on like crafting the unique story to attract candidates, right? Um, and also draw out the differences in terms of branding. There are so many differences working for a startup versus uh, Amazon, right? Uh, so focus on things like um, the you get more responsibilities and uh, the the exposure that you get is way more than working in the very focused role in Amazon, for example, right? And the growth opportunities mm -hmm. uh, because yeah. as 
working in any big companies, there are so many layers um, that you need to go through. Like there's ladder, there's a career ladder that you go through. But in a startup, you can move around in so many different directions. So that's the unique selling point that you can work on as well, right? Um, and other than that, for founders, I think they also need to be more creative and aggressive in sourcing candidates. Um, so I would always think it's a good practice that they carve out some time on a regular basis to just talk to people, to network, right? To reach out to potential, future potential candidates to build that connection and relationship early on. Um, so that would also make it stand out because you have the relationship. Um, that is your advantage to compete with Amazon, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so, yeah. so you would say the three, like if I was to sum that up, the first one is the fact that you don't get typecast into a role. It's a lot more broad and you can do all these things and become a generalist and more exciting days, I guess, because each day is different. Second one would be lack of bureaucracy. The fact that you don't have this ladder that you have to deal with. The third would be that founders should be a lot more aggressive and coming up with unique, innovative strategies to attract people. Would you say those are three points? Yeah, that's right. And I would like to add one more. Um, it's super important as well is to provide the candidate experience at every single touch point. Um, there's something small, but it has a huge influence on the candidate's decision making at the end of the day um, to you know, for example, even like a nice personalized reply message and be very responsive in communicating on the stage um, of the, the recruiting process, for example, those things uh, would go a long way. Yeah, that's so true, actually. Like I had a I had a candidate that we were recruiting and we forgot to email like, I mean, we gave him the offer, but then he asked some follow-up questions and then my co-friend and I just assumed the other person had emailed him and no one replied to him. And then he emails, I think a week later saying, uh, I'm sorry, I can't accept this thing because I haven't received any emails from you guys or contact after getting the position. Um, and he got spooked. And so I think that mm. whole, that nurturing process is very important after that day. I was just very religious and following up, making sure people were okay before joining. That was a, that was a bad experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it is important. Yeah. So I got carried away and I jumped straight into the, the recruitment process and I was, I was meant to talk about your experience first, but as you can tell, I'm very excited about this topic. <laughs> so I just jumped 10 steps ahead and I've also not followed any of the questions I gave you. So I apologize. We just went completely off <laughs> no topic. Worries. But just before we move into the startup work culture, uh, to bring it back a little bit, I wanted to dive into, um, I guess, your experience as a recruiter versus your experience as, I guess, people operations or head of people and, and what the difference is really between the two roles. Yeah, the difference is that uh, the head of people covers everything related to people. So it is a wider coverage and it has more responsibilities. And uh, the recruiting role, the the focus is really on recruiting, right? Um, I like both of them, to be honest. Um, I still like doing recruiting. Um, and as a head of people for a startup, recruiting is a key activity, to be honest, right? Um, is a key responsibility for startups, especially for the growing or scaling startups, right? Yeah. 
And I noticed a lot of the time, like when we were talking about, and I guess startups recruiting talent and, and getting people in, like culture keeps coming up. Um, so I'm curious to see your thoughts on um, why you think culture is important for startups. And also, I mean, when, when should they even start thinking about it? Is that two people, five people, hundred people? Yeah. Yeah. Culture is very important for startups. Um, it is important because um, the talent market is very small for startups, especially in the region and especially for tech startups, right? Um, they're all going after the same people, the same talent market. Um, and startups normally don't compete on pay, as you just mentioned, right? Because of the cost constraint. So how are they going to attract talent? And, and one key differentiator is really the culture. And, uh, and also, I think startup, there's a lot of changes, um, as you know, right? Um, because they need to pivot, they need to uh, make change fast, uh, they need to move fast as well. So a strong culture can also help to engage and, and retain the talent during the changes. It's like an anchor in a way, right? And, and culture, it might sound a little bit vague, to be honest, right? Um, but it actually covers a lot of components um, in culture building. And I actually come up with 10 elements of culture building based on my research and, and my work experience, mm -hmm. which includes the fundamentals such as vision, mission. Um, and of course, there are other things such as the heritage, which is the, the story behind the founders, right? and other things like the symbols, the languages, and even the incentive scheme, et cetera. So those are very concrete components that companies can work on when it comes to culture building. So um, I think to your question, when they should, uh, when founders should uh, start looking culture, I would say is to start as early as possible. Um, as because that would impact a lot on the people they are hiring, um, and the the early the early employees would determine a lot about the culture as well, right? And of course, when when the team is small and the culture piece has less impact um, on the team because there's no barrier in communication. The team is small; the everything is transparent. They know what's going on. But when the team starts to scale, let's say, um, I think from 20, 30 people onwards, the communication and the type of people in the team would get more and more com complex. So I think that would be a time that the founders really need to be very cautious and, and pay uh, more attention and efforts on the culture. Yeah, and I guess at that point, like you start off originally when there's a couple of people, you're very direct and you give instructions and every single person has contact with you. But as you grow, it's more about context setting and setting up systems and, and um, vision statements that scale beyond yourself, which is why culture, I guess, becomes more important. Like culture within three, four people is easier to maintain. But when you, when you, you know, grow, you need to start setting the context exactly. a bit more. Yeah. Exactly. Which communication, um, as I mentioned, is a huge part of culture building, right? Um, and also the processes, um, how you implement what kind of process, how you want people to follow the process. There's another part as well. 
So I'm curious, um, and I, I don't even know the answer to this, um, but is there such thing as a bad culture and, or is there just a right culture for your company? <sighs> That's a very good question. I think it's very, it's, it's hard to define what is bad, what is good, right? Mm -hmm. But there are some fundamentals about how people interacting and working in team environment that we all agree is bad because it's against, kind of against human nature, especially in the long term. For example, mm -hmm. one thing um, is that um, in an environment where people don't feel safe to speak up, right? And that is something I, I believe we all agree that it's, that is not positive because if people are scared every day coming to work, right? And it doesn't help in any way. It's just like that, that is the fundamental that I meant, right? Um, so yeah, there are, I, I, I think that in that case, it would be bad because it really we all agree that something that's not helping um, is against human nature. <laughs> so, uh, but in terms of like from, you're talking from broader point of view, what is good culture, what is bad, it really comes down to the founder, right? In a startup in a way, because I know a lot of times, for example, um, you know, like Steve Jobs, for example, I'm just uh, using him as an example that there are a lot of bad stories about him, but at the same time, he built a great company, right? So it's very hard to define in a way. And it, it, it has to be, you know, it, it comes to that, the, to the founder and also the stage of the business. It has to be considered overall. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess, um, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking about whether culture is subjective, right? It could be a company that runs a very military style company that just has people hitting metrics and, and going for kills and like just really like hardcore sort of culture. But then I guess if yeah. everyone's happy and everyone kind of thrives under that pressure, I don't know, is that bad culture? Or is that just the right culture for that company? And someone who doesn't fit, it's like a culture person fit almost yeah and the one um one element of culture of organization is also the culture of the um the culture the the in in the country for example a region mm. um so we're talking about for example a company the chinese culture right uh as you heard there's for example, 996, mm, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, you yeah. start work uh, from night to night, six days in a week. And uh, and sometimes you have heard stories about, you know, they, um, they, they don't, they focus a lot on personal, um, personal achievements, like kind of fighting, mm, quote unquote, mm, in yeah. a way to get things done quickly. And it's very result focused, right? And that works in China because um, people, they focus on results, right? That yeah. make a lot of Chinese companies successful. They focus on results. Um, and it's okay. I wouldn't say it's okay, but it's acceptable by a lot of um, the, the local candidates um, because the, the talent supply is huge, right? Mm -hmm. And the companies also don't have to worry about that. 
before companies, let's say more in the Western context or even in Southeast Asia. And, you know, the, for example, work life balance is such a big topic that the companies need to take note of, right? So it might not, there is a conflict you need to solve. Um, and also there's a component of the cultural um, elements from the society, from the people um, that needs to be considered as well, right? Yeah. So, so maybe since you're talking about it, it'd be interesting to know, since you have experience recruiting for several different countries, what is the, I guess, the cultural differences that you've noticed? I, I know China is one specific example, but are there any other examples that you've seen? Um, there's always slight difference, which comes in, um, as I just mentioned, because of the the country specific culture or the the people uh, from the different you know countries. I would say in Southeast Asia, um, in Singapore, for example, uh, we're known very. Um, task-driven, uh, very straightforward, very focused um, uh, on the on, on the work and, and, and output, less focus on people interaction when it comes to work. Um, but if you look at Indonesia, for example, and people there are more, um, they focus a lot on so, uh, building that personal relationship uh, as well as work, right? So that is like difference. Uh, between the two countries. Um, so you may notice in a lot of times that uh, Indonesians, for example, even the Filipinos, they like to chat a lot at work, right? To, to make friends at work. Um, and that's just part of the culture. Um, but in Singapore, probably it's the, the, the difference, uh, the, 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 the opposite, that they would come into the office and then they would just start working right away. Right. So those slight, slight difference, uh, even though is is we're all in the same region. Yeah. So then how would you balance culture cross border? So if you had teams in Philippines, Singapore, and a couple other countries, as you know, Draper Startup House, that's, that's we have that. So yeah. what advice would you give to us to manage a cross border culture and make sure everyone's appeased? <laughs> I think number one would be to build a stronger organizational culture that's unique to your own. And then you communicate that and market that internally um, because that you can kind of offset a little bit of the differences uh, from the people point of view, from the society point of view, right? Um, So that's number one. Um, number two, I think would be, um, this is more like, com- I wouldn't say common sense, but it's, it's more um, have an understanding, is to have a better understanding of, and, and be ca- more cautious about different culture. I think that's probably the, is, is basic in terms of interacting with people across different countries, just mm-hmm. to be mindful that there will be differences. Right. And uh, the, the first thing I think people would react is really using their own reference, what they're used to. And when you're dealing with people across um, different countries, it's always good to just step back and think that, hey, probably this because they're from different cultures. That's why they're reacting differently. Um, so I think the two things, I think McKinsey, for example, 
they're doing really well on that. They have a very strong um, company culture um, and all the offices we follow and is, is standardized in a way. But at the same time, there is still the location or the office uh, regional differences that um, the, the leaders would also adapt to, right? Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. I've noticed that even internally, when we when we have different teams communicate with each other, there's there's often this miscommunication that occurs just because they react or or do or say things slightly differently. Um, for example, you know, we had a team member that, you know, as as English was a second language, she was a bit more direct with her speech online, uh, which to other people sounded blunt and offensive, but I think once you sort of get in their headspace and, and have a bit of empathy, you can understand that, you know, it's just an effective means of communication. And it wasn't like that kind of um, vibe. That was not the intention. Um, so that's been a, an interesting learning curve for a lot of people as well. Yeah, exactly. I think you just mentioned a very key word um, is the empathy. Mm. Uh, you need more of that when working with people from different countries and different cultures. Yeah. So my next question to you is, okay, like I understand that culture is important and I think hopefully the listeners now understand why it's an important thing because one, it will help you attract the right kind of people to your team, make sure that you're cohesive. And actually I will drive the point further. And actually this is a stat that I pulled up, which I'll link down in the description below, but you know, some of the biggest failures for startups, 23% of startups fail because they don't have the right team. 13% of startups fail because of disharmony among team members or investors. 9% due to lack of passion. 8% due to burnout. 7% due to failure to pivot. So I think all of these are kind of culture related, right? Do you think that culture would, would help solve these issues? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely believe that. Um, as I mentioned, the culture covered a lot of areas um, and it's not only one thing. Mm. And if you break down some of the problems or the failure that you just mentioned, um, such as not having the right team, and, and most of these problems can actually be solved by recruiting. Because mm. if, um, if you believe in certain culture that's important, certain um, cultural characteristics or competencies that are important for the company, you would build that in as part of your hiring process. Um, so for example, if your culture emphasizes respect and collaboration and during the recruiting process, the, you need to hire people that would have respect and show respect and collaboration. Right. And uh, if you hire people that don't conflict with the culture you want to build, it, it can really prevent companies from getting um, the, the wrong people and they eventually fail. Right. Um, I really like the, the analogy. I don't know if you've read the book, um, Good to Great. And no, I haven't. It is a great book, and, and it says that um, running a startup or even running a company is like driving a bus. And the founder is like the captain, the bus captain. Yeah. So the founder might not know where the bus would eventually go because, you know, sometimes you change direction. Sometimes there's some roadblock on the way. But it's very important to get the right people mm. because the right people would change its direction 
and go with you and eventually would get you to where you want to go. Um, but if you get the wrong people, they would actually slow down, either slow down the speed or they would divert you to the wrong way. And eventually you wouldn't hit your goal. So that's the analogies that the, the, the author used. And I really liked it. And I think it's, it really described the importance of, of getting to the right people and, and, and also building the right culture. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think I personally had to get punched in the gut a couple of times to understand the importance of culture and, you know, have to go through these failures. And hopefully by now, and I've stressed this so many times to the listeners, that culture is extremely important no matter what stage you're at in the startup journey. And this is the main reason I got Melody on this podcast is because I can't really convey it as well as Melody does in terms of what the importance is. But now that we've established that, I want to now get some free consulting from you and for the, for the listeners. How should founders start building their culture from day one? Like what are some tips that you have um, to, to start doing that? Um, I would say uh, number one is to understand that culture is not a standalone topic. Uh, it's not a thing. It's mm -hmm. actually a compilation of so many things. Um, as I mentioned, my um, 10 elements of culture building, those are the very concrete things mm -hmm. that the founders can work on. And they don't have to be complicated and cost a lot of money, right? So I think number one is just to understand that and start working on the small things, right? Um, such as uh, be clear about your vision, be clear about your value, and be clear the, the story you want to tell everyone that you either want to hire or the employees in the company, right? Um, so that's um, number one. And uh, I think number two, in terms of culture building, especially for early startups, um, they're still be influenced by the key people or the key leaders uh, and the early employees as well. Um, and the founders uh, would shape a lot um, of the company culture, right? I think sometimes what I've seen is that in order to change the culture, we we actually need to change the leadership style or the, the, the beliefs that the founders have, um, which is very, very hard, <laughs> I think. Um, I still don't know, to be honest. I haven't figured that out, how we can do that, right? Um, but I think the founders need to be more open uh, to feedback on culture. Um, and, and that is the, the first step, even um, before looking into building the company culture. Yeah, that's so true. If you're not ready to accept the feedback and make the changes, then this is a pointless discussion in the first place, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, something that's, that's helped me, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is just like the personal mind shift that I've had lately over the last two years, which is that uh, just like how you sell your customers, you sell investors, you pitch them every day to keep them excited about the, the company, um, you know, having a team is, is also, um, you know, you should be grateful for people to be dedicating their time. And like, I think if you treat it true tra transactionally, like, you know, I give them money, therefore they should do my work. It doesn't have the same impact as like, you know, they've dedicated their time. They, they have opportunity costs. They could go work somewhere else, but they decide to work with you because 
of your vision or whatever it is. And so consistently selling them on why they're here and, and giving them the perks and giving them the confidence each and every day, uh, just like how you would do with a customer or investor has really changed the, I guess, the perception of, of running teams for me personally. Yeah, that's for sure. This, this for sure is the recognition, mm. right? That you, you, you give, you made them feel, um, that is very important because everyone wants to be, to, to, to feel that the, the, the impact um, that they do and they want to be recognized. Uh, so even small things that uh, uh, small incentive or even a public recognition uh, would really help. Yeah. So is this something that pop partners would help with? What, what, what does pop partners do and um, how would people work with you? Um, pop partners is um, a just, what well, simply put is a HR consulting firm for startups and SMEs. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the work that we do, um, well, in a way, is everything related to people in the startup and SME setting. But a lot of the work would be focusing on recruiting, culture building, and uh, performance management. Because we figure that once we get all these three topics right, you kind of get 70% of the HR of people topics right. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're helping with recruitment and also with the actual ongoing operations as well. Do you help with um, like culture setting and, and trying to figure out like the vision, mission, those kind of things? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, those are the fundamentals um, that um, every company should uh, should have. And that's something definitely we are working with our clients on to help them to um, to sharpen the, the storytelling to the candidates and, um, and, and how to present that in all aspects of the people uh, operation side of things. You know, for example, the JD, um, the internal employee handbook, the internal communication tools, etc. Yeah, awesome. So if anyone's interested in that kind of stuff, I've put the link down in the description as well. So you can go check out what Melody does and uh, also get some help from pop pop partners. If you're finding that your startup is having this issue and also hopefully that you've now understood how important culture is without me waving my fists in the air, screaming it out uh, to people. (laughs) So um, to wrap up the, the podcast, I wanted to cover one more topic, which is around what's happening now. I feel like it would be disingenuous for us to just leave it without talking about what's happening in the current situation in terms of culture and work. Um, how, how do you think the culture has changed or like how are people adapting uh, with the recent lockdowns in terms of how companies operate performance-wise and culture-wise? Mm, I think the... Um the, the recent development or the, the, the new trend of, of running a business these days is really to work remotely, right? Um, and I think people in a way are forced to adapt the remote way of working. And um, personally, I'm, I'm quite happy in a way that mm-hmm. the situation kind of forces companies and people to try it out remote work because I'm a huge fan and promoter of remote work. 
and especially I found that in Asia, a lot of companies are very reluctant to accept that because they think that people would be less productive if they work remotely, right? Um, but I think now people are, are used to do that. Um, they also see the pros and cons of working remotely. Um, so, for example, I've heard a lot of feedback from moms that it's really harder for them to work from home, right, mm -hmm. to juggle so many roles uh, at the same time. Uh, so I think it's, it's, it's good that people, um, at least the, the folks in Asia, have tried it out. Um, I think that is the, the biggest um, impact that the COVID situation has on um, business and how companies run business these days in Asia. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be any lasting impact, say, um, you know, companies becoming more open to remote working or having, I guess, being more prepared for situations like this with like a remote working guideline? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think um, companies are definitely more acceptive to remote work uh, moving forward because um, they've tried it, right? And they know it can work. And at the same time, there'll be more guidelines uh, that are coming up with how to remote work, what's the best practices, and how to ensure people are still productive when they're working remotely. Uh, so there's going to be a huge topic around working remotely, uh, as we can already see these days. Um, like what is what are the best practices? Um, what are the ways that people do? Um, like what 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 are the 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 um, effective um, work working remotely? Um, the the effective way of working managing a team and and make sure the teams uh, producing the same output, and also the culture building. That's another topic that's come that that also. That will come up as well. Uh, how do you build culture um, as people work remotely? That's also an important topic as well. Yeah, that sounds extremely difficult. How have you seen companies do that? To build culture, I think, again, it comes down to this, the fundamentals, right, of culture building, I think. Um, I know companies, they tend to uh, create a lot more opportunities to connect online. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, there is, uh, you know, a, a channel, they will create the happy hour, uh, happy hour channel, or just a channel for people to drop in and out to, you know, to chit chat or to combat, to combat loneliness. Mm. Um, so those are the, the creative ways that people uh, or companies are using to, to build culture. But I think at the end of the day, um, you still need the people connection. You cannot get away from that. Um, mm. And the culture building for remote companies is built on the uh, fundamental of uh, people connection. So you still need to create opportunities for people to meet eventually, to get to know each other at a personal level as well. Um, that would uh, be very important. Yeah, it's interesting. Like having worked remotely for like the last four or five years now, um, you know, before I meet the team members and like afterwards, like it's a very different experience. Like I can work with someone, but then after meeting them in person, having a few drinks, like the working relationship improves, like a lot of things improve as soon as you meet them in person for a while. So I'm curious to see, yeah. I guess like, you know, how, how we can, um, 
get those kind of experiences in a remote context as well. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, now it's going to be hard because we don't know when we can travel again. Mm. Um, so the only way is really to do it through Zoom. Um, I think another way that they connect, they can still keep up the connection, is by sending real, like sending gift or sending um, something that you can see and touch, right? And I found that that's um, a very interesting. A way to build to continue to build your culture and connect with the teams during this time. Mm. Um, I've seen like some of my friends be posting pictures of the company. They call it how do you call it care care package from yeah. the company, right? <laughs> it's a great way to brand your company, but at the same time, it really shows a lot of um, care and it keeps with the connection with the team because you can touch that, you can see it, right? <laughs> Rather than everything's online and virtual. Um, yeah, that's so true. I guess it's time for me to ask my boss for a, for a care package. <laughs> I haven't received anything yet. <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, the way I like to wrap up these podcasts is I like to, to see if there's any resource that you're currently listening to or reading or like a book, podcast, whatever it may be that you would recommend to people, especially people who are interested in a learning about recruiting or to, or be, um, I guess, building that culture within the startup. Is there any resources you recommend? Yeah. Um, I would say um, there is uh, three books I can think of. One is called Work Rules um, by Lazio Bock, I think. That is uh, a book about Google, how Google manages its people and how it builds its culture. That's a great book to read. Um, the second one is called The Culture Code. Um, again, back to the culture topic, I think that that book really um, tells a lot about the fundamentals of culture building. And those are the two books. Another one uh, that I just finished is called The Culture Fix. It's more um, about the, I think that book is, is more, it's newer comparing to the other one. So it talks a lot about the, the latest trend about culture building. And that's a very interesting read as well. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to buy that off Amazon right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, thank you so much, Melody. This is, um, obviously something I've been waiting to talk about for a while and I think it's super important. So I really appreciate your time. So thanks for being a guest. Thank you so much, AJ. It's really fun. Thanks for listening. Startup house. Remember, keep exploring, connecting and inspiring. If you want to get more involved with us, follow us at draperstartuphouse.com. That is draperstartuphouse.com or follow me at ajprakash.net, A-J-A-Y, prakash.net. See you next time.